From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Monday, September 19th, 2016. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Get a free quote for your customized apparel right now by calling 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Send them an email, beantownathletics at gmail.com, or visit their website, beantownathletics.com. And oh yeah, hockey season is right around the corner, so don't forget to bring your skates into Beantown Athletics on Granite Ave in Dorchester for a quick shopping in before the season begins. I would know this is the one and only place that I get my skate shopping every single winter. So welcome to the show as we get set to close out week two in the NFL tonight with Monday Night Football as the Eagles are in Chicago to take on the Bears. The Bears looking for their first win of the season. The Eagles looking for their second win of the season. I'm going to go over week two. I'm going to go over my picks that I gave you on Friday, what I got right, what I got wrong. I'm going to talk Patriots. I'm going to get into the Patriots quarterback situation. I'm going to get into some baseball uh, and specifically the Red Sox and what's going on with them. I got to tell you a story, though. As I'm coming into the studio, right, literally an hour ago, I had to go pick up a rental car because I'm heading out of town later this afternoon for a couple days. I'll be out of town. I'll be back later this week to give you Friday's podcast and give you picks picks for week three, all right? But I had to go pick up my rental car this morning. And um, I just, this is fresh on my mind, so I feel like I'll open the show with this, and then I'll get into some football, and then I'll get back to the Red Sox. But first and foremost, I go to pick up a rental car today. And, you know, you do all the paperwork inside this, that, the other thing. You come out, and they're going to give you the car. Now, first and foremost, my, my initial reaction to anything that's happening this morning is, okay, this kid is going to actually try to put me in a little white Prius Like, that's what he's giving me today? Like, that's the only option? There's like 25 cars in the lot, and you're giving me a white Prius? I'm like, ah, buddy, like, I just, you know, really? Like, can you give me something else? So now he's giving me options, and I'm looking around, and and I'm trying to pick and point it out. While I'm trying to pick and point it out, all I hear is, this is literally all I hear, and I kind of see someone out of the corner of my eye. Uh, this guy and this girl, they're cleaning out the back of a, a Jeep, I think it was, and I, I don't know. They're cleaning out the back of the car. They're taking things out or putting things in, whatever the fuck they're doing. And all I hear is, this is exactly what I heard. I hear, Danny, gotta put Buck Colts in the rotation now, don't you? Don't you, Danny? Gotta put Buck Colts in the rotation. And I look over, and it's some kid. I don't know who the, I don't know who he is. I've never seen this kid in my life. Um... And, and he's looking at me, and, and like he wants a response. I'm like, I, I don't know what to say to you. I'm not really here right now. I'm here to, to make sure I don't have to drive this little white Prius around. I don't feel like getting in a fucking Clay Buckholtz conversation right now. But since you brought it up, here's what I say. I, you know, I'm, I'm being nice. I don't know who this guy is. I'm like, oh, maybe I do know him, and I just don't, I just don't recognize him. So, so I'll, I'll be friendly with the dude, at least as friendly as I can be while someone's trying to give me a, a little white Prius. And I say, yeah, you know what? I, he's pitching well. I can't deny that. And especially after what happened last night uh, with Pomeranz looking no good and maybe the, the innings starting to catch up with him uh, in that game against the Yankees last night in Sunday Night Baseball, 
you know, especially with the way Pomeranz has been pitching the last couple starts, there's a spot open. There's a couple spots open. Buckholz is pitching well, yeah. Just acknowledging what he said, and that's that. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, can't go lefty-lefty in the playoffs. I'm like, are we, I'm like, are we doing this right now? We're do, are we going to do this right now? And I, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It depends on what the situation is. I, I get, let's, let's get into some situational stuff here if you really want to get into it. But I didn't really want to get into it. So I just sort of, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. And, and he's like, I got to give Buck Holt some credit. And he's kind of got like the southern accent going, I think. I don't really know. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, give Buck Holt some credit. This guy obviously might have listened. He probably listened to me like twice, right? And it's probably been this season. Because I will say this. If there's been anybody on the face of this planet that has defended Buckholz, all right, maybe not this season and maybe not towards the end, middle to end of last year. But before then, if there was anybody on the face of this planet that ever defended Clay Buckholz and actually continued to stick with him, knowing what type of stuff he had, it was me. I might have been the only guy on the planet that that had this kid's back, knowing what type of stuff he had. When everybody and their mother, at the end of 2013 and throughout 2014, when his ERA was over five, when they wanted to, you know, get this guy out of town, I'm going, ah, his stuff is so good. You know, just give it, maybe he can put it together and stay healthy. You know, that's, I defended him when nobody else would. I mean, think about the radio stations, two major radio stations in this town. There's... What three or four TV stations? There wasn't. There wasn't one person that was defending this kid. I was maybe the only one. So this person who's talking to me today obviously doesn't know the history of how I have defended Clay Buckholz many times in the past, and I stopped doing it. The reason I stopped doing it was because let's face it, he either got injured or he started to suck, or can I should say continued to suck. All right, and he has an ERA over five this year. You can't deny that. Uh, he was brutal at the beginning of the season, you can't deny that. And even during this stretch of v- some very solid starts, I mean, out of this Yankees series this weekend in which the, the Red Sox sweep the Yankees at Fenway and, and basically just bury the Yankees, right? Um, you know, it, Clay Buckholz had the best start of any Red Sox pitcher in this series, and it's not even close. But, you know, you, even throughout this stretch, he's still had a couple hiccups. It's just the Clay Buckholz conversation to me when you talk about you got to trust him or you got, you know, especially what this person said to me today in the rental car parking lot is you got to give him some some credit. You got to put him in the rotation. Well, you might be right at this point. You got to put him in the rotation. I don't know that that says anything about Buckholz. I think it says more about the rest of, of the rotation and what you have after Price and Porcello. But. Give him credit. I mean, let's not get into the, oh, don't put me in the category of you never give this kid credit because I have given him more credit than anybody in this fucking town, all right? And I, I just, I don't even, part of me doesn't even want to have to defend myself in this situation, and I didn't want to have to defend myself this morning in a parking lot at a rental car company. But I will say this, respect to this person, whoever it is, because I know what it's like to have a buddy who's an athlete who's trying to do some things and people and you hear someone talking smack or talking trash or knocking them. You know, you want to defend your friend. And I am all about that. It's called loyalty. I, I, I understand it. I respect it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to knock this person because I feel like in, if I were in his shoes and I saw somebody who he obviously heard me maybe saying some things about Buckholz this year. 
I would say something too. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. So I, I respect them for that. It just, I, I, now that I have this form and, you know, something like that is said, I do feel the need to, I guess, point out, look, if there's been anyone in this town that tried to defend Buck Holtz when the wheels were falling off, I was the, the last person in this town still defending him. And that's, uh, that should be on the record. I was. It's a fact. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was, I, I've come around to the point where I don't know how far I can trust this guy. But I will also say this. I mean, I've actually given him credit for what he was able to do at times in the bullpen. And how I thought, well, maybe he would be better suited for the bullpen. But now you see Pomeranz and the innings started to catch up to him. And he used to be a reliever. And maybe that's a situation they go to. But um, let's not sit here and deny the facts on Clay Buckholz. I, I get it. you got to defend him. But he's got an ERA over five. And last year, you know, he got hurt again. And I have to, look, that's not a, when Buckholz gets hurt, I'm not even someone that gets worked up about, oh, he's not in shape. No, 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 no. Buckholz got hurt. He gets hurt. He continues. I think, I think there's some bad luck there. If someone like Pablo Sandoval shows up looking like a slob, that's a different story. Yeah, you can maybe knock the, the work ethic there. Um, again, this just goes to, to speak on how I've actually defended Buckholz more than anybody else in the past. But facts are facts. Clay Buckholz this year has been someone going back to, you know, 2014. And then after he got hurt last year and the beginning of this season. I mean, come on. I, you can't tell me that I should be sitting here willing to trust this guy in big spots, even though we've, he's had a nice little stretch here at the end of the season, a much-needed stretch. Credit where credit's due. He's pitching well. But, I mean, I get it. You're a friend. you got to defend him, and I respect that. But I reserve the right to my own opinion on the kid and what I've seen the last couple of years, and I'm sorry. I just uh, I still have major question marks there. And, and I hope he proves someone like myself wrong, but I'm not going to sit here and change my tune on on how much I trust him in a big spot. I'm just not going to do it based on what I've seen. I, I just think the sample size of him falling apart when we begin to trust him is larger than any of the times he's been able to keep it going consistently. So, um... That's where I stay with Buckholz and the Red Sox rotation. Yeah, after Price and Porcello, they got to figure that thing out. And it's up to those guys to figure it out. And you'd like to see them in some type of competition. And here's where I'll give Buckholz the credit. Out of everybody in that competition for the number three and four spots in the rotation in the postseason, Buckholz has shown up, put his work boots on, something I'm, I wasn't sure he would do, but he has. And that's where I'll give him the credit. But that doesn't mean I have to feel confident in him when he steps on the mound. Hey, you know what? Listen to this. Use it as motivation. Maybe. I guess. But, that, yeah, that's the last thing I thought, and a pretty cool moment, I guess, for myself. I mean, I'm a nobody in this business, okay? I understand that. So if you get recognized just standing in a parking lot somewhere on Monday morning, I, I guess, you know, part of me was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, the big names in this town might say, be careful what you wish for. But uh, um, I'm a nobody, and right now something like that is pretty cool to me. And I do respect the fact that this is one of his boys, and he's got to get his back. That's fine. I'm with you. I've done the same thing. Okay, um, but I just I, I didn't really feel like getting into the into the dirty details of the argument right then and there. I had I had other things on my plate, as I told you, not trying to jump in a white Prius today uh, to to drive out of town. But that's what happened with me this morning. The Red Sox got an exciting win last night. Hanley Ramirez is an absolute fucking beast. And uh, the Red Sox have like three or four guys that are in the serious conversation of AL MVP. Serious, dead serious. 
And it's crazy because the pitching has been mediocre all season long. But if you're going to get to the postseason, which I believe the Red Sox are going to do, and the standings right now today on this Monday morning, the Red Sox are in first place with 85 wins. They're three games ahead of the Orioles. They're four games ahead of the Blue Jays, eight games ahead of the Yankees. You can basically eliminate the Yankees from any playoff conversation. The Red Sox now have a four-game series with the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. And here's what the rotation is going to look like for the Sox. Rick Porcello tonight, Eduardo Rodriguez, Buckholtz, and Price. Thursday night is a big night. David Price versus Chris Tillman Thursday night in Baltimore. The Red Sox then go to Tampa Bay for a weekend series, but you got four huge games against the Orioles. And that fourth one, Thursday night, Price-Tillman, is basically a playoff game. Is it not? It's a playoff game. And that's basically what you you pay in price to do is step out of that mound and give this team, not just give them a chance to win, but but give me some type of dominant six, seven innings, right? Do that. Give me that. And we'll see. It'll be an exciting series. It was an exciting series this weekend against the Yankees. Red Sox sweep the Yankees in four games and Hanley Ramirez last night, two home runs, hit a three-run home run after the Yankees gave them an extra out. And it cut the Yankee lead of 4-3. Then Hanley, you tie the game. Then Hanley hits the go-ahead run. Eventual game-winning run. Home run. Solo shot. Uh, Hanley just being an absolute beast right now. So, uh, the Red Sox, I'm all in on them. I'm all in on Major League Baseball postseason. I'm all in on regular season football because the NFL has begun. I'm not all in on the World Cup of Hockey, as I've told you the last couple podcasts. In fact, I really don't care. And I'm a hockey guy. I don't care about the World Cup of Hockey. I honestly don't. You got Team Europe. They beat Team USA. Like, really? And I mean, I just don't care. It's not a big deal to me. But um, that's that's why I'm all into football and, and the Major League Baseball postseason race. So uh, let's get into the NFL, shall we? Because there's a lot to talk about on this Monday. And uh, my picks. I give picks picks. Every Friday, five games with the spread. Week one was awful. I went 0-5. But I told you, give me, a, give me a chance to bounce back. It's early. There was some unpredictable things that happened. I really got screwed in a couple games. Uh, Oakland's coach, Del Rio, is just making stupid decisions, going for two-point conversions in week one. I mean, there's a lot of things that went wrong in week one. I went 0-5. Week two, figured I'd bounce back. I gave it a Thursday night game. I'm not going to include that in my picks-pick standings. But if you do want to include that, I went 3-3 three and three in week two. But, but if you don't, like I usually don't, I went 2-3. and three. And I went 2-2 two and two going in to the Sunday night football game last night. Uh, the Green Bay-Minnesota game. And Minnesota beats Green Bay 17-14. This game was like, who's going to put more pressure on the opposing quarterback? It was just nonstop. Sam Bradford had a nice game. Sam Bradford, I knocked Sam Bradford a lot. He had a nice game last night. I think Collinsworth tried to make it out to, you know, he wanted to put him in Canton, for crying out loud. If you were if you just, like, were going back and forth from the baseball game, Red Sox-Yankees, to the football game, which is what I was doing, there was one point, maybe twice, I went back to the football game, and they're coming back from commercial or going to commercial, and Collinsworth is talking about Sam Bradford. You know, they're showing all the highlights, right? They're showing all his deep throws, uh, the big plays on third down that he's making. And they're like, Sam Bradford is just having such a good game. And he's doing this, he's doing that. You would have thought the Vikings had, at, at that point, when they're doing this, you would have thought the Vikings had 31 points and had four touchdowns. They, 
I only had 10 points at the time when they were doing all this shit. I was like, wait, wait a minute. What kind of, how, how good is this game if they only got 10 points? How good is Bradford doing? But Bradford played well. I credit where credit's due. I'm not a Bradford, I'm not a Bradford guy, but guess what? He played well. And the Vikings win 17-14, and they lose Adrian Peterson. Keep an eye on that, knee injury. Uh, but Green Bay, Green Bay just barely beats Jacksonville, a Jacksonville team that got whooped in San Diego yesterday. And then they lose, Green Bay loses to Minnesota. In Minnesota. So the Packers, well, I'm starting to have questions about them. I am. I'm starting to have questions about the Packers, even though I, I had predicted them to have 13 or 14 wins and sort of win the division big and uh, get on top, back on top of that division and, 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 you know, get to the promised land. But right now, Green Bay, they don't look great. And I don't know if it's early season struggles and they're trying to just get everything on, on the offensive line going. I, I have no idea. But uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, Green Bay last night screwed me again for the second straight week with the spread. So I had Green Bay in last night's game at minus three as a road favorite. And they did not do me well. So that was my third loss of the week. I went two and three with picks picks. Again, three and three if you count the Thursday night game because it took the Jets and the plus one. But we won't count that. So I took Green Bay. Uh, the other games I got wrong, Oakland, minus four and a half. A day lose to Atlanta. Matt Ryan, figures, the one time I pick against Atlanta, Matt Ryan's making all the big throws in the big spots, right? Figures. And I took the Giants, minus four and a half, at home over New Orleans. Giants end up winning, but they don't cover. They only win it by three. Uh, I didn't, who, who would have guessed that would be the under? Anyone take the under on that one? I mean, you could put a gun to my head every time and I'd take the over of that game. Giants-Saints in New York. But um, Giants win it. They just don't cover. So I lose that one as well. So I lose the Giants. I lose the Packers. And I lose with the Raiders. Uh, my wins were Arizona, minus seven. They had a big win over Tampa Bay, 40-7. to seven. The Cardinals were just rolling. Uh, I expected them to throw the ball like, like they did against Tampa Bay the week before against the Patriots. But it all came out against Tampa Bay at home. I expected that to happen. I did not see Arizona beginning the season 0-2 having two home games to begin the season, right? Arizona was going to win that one, and they won a big 40-7. to uh, So I took Arizona. I won that, and I won Pittsburgh. I took Pittsburgh minus 3.5 over Cincinnati. That game was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins it 24-16. to So 2-3. and three. Uh, and that makes my record right now two and eight to begin the season. But but look, baby steps. I'll bounce back even more in week three, right? Three, maybe three and two next week, or four and one next week, and then a five and a week coming up. I can smell it. I can taste it. It's coming. Picks, picks every Friday, five games with the spread. And uh, if you want to get to the rest of the game, let's just run through it. You know the Jets beat the Bills on Thursday night. Uh, I just told you Steelers beat the Bengals. Tennessee beats Detroit in Detroit, 16-15. to little comeback there for Tennessee. Is it me, or does Detroit always just have crazy scores to their games? Like, Detroit never has, like, a 24-21 to game, right? Or, like, a 24-17 or a 17-10. It's always, like, 16-15, to whatever game Detroit is in. 16-15 to is what Tennessee beats Detroit by yesterday. Baltimore comes back and beats Cleveland in Cleveland 25-20. The Browns had like a 20-2 lead after the first quarter, and then Baltimore came back and won it. Baltimore beats Cleveland. Dallas beats Washington 27-23 in Washington. 
And now you got the Redskins. I picked them to win the division. They begin the season 0-2. They're the only winless team in the NFC East right now, Washington. And you got players on that Washington team calling for Kirk Cousins' head. You got players speaking out. I, I think it's anonymously, but which is cowardly. But they're speaking out. They don't like what's going on with Kirk Cousins. Doesn't look good uh, for the Redskins right now to begin the season 0-2. And, uh, yeah, Dallas with a 27-23 win without Tony Romo. The Giants, I told you, they beat New Orleans. Uh, Carolina at home. San Francisco gave them a game, and they scored a late touchdown. They were in it, but Carolina pulled away. The Panthers beat San Fran 46-27. to uh, Houston beat Kansas City 19-12 to in Houston. How about the Rams returning to L.A.? They get the home game. They beat Seattle 9-3. to 9-3. Seahawks had a chance to sort of get a drive going late, and then they had a completion on third down and then a fumble. L.A. recovered. Only three points for Seattle. Russell Wilson is banged up with that ankle. Seahawks right now, 1-1, one and one, and they do not look good. They didn't look good in a win against Miami in week one, and they certainly didn't look good in a loss in L.A. yesterday. Uh, I told you Arizona beat Tampa Bay. You got San Diego whoop Jacksonville 38-14. Atlanta beat Oakland 35-28 in Oakland. Denver beats Indy 34-20. Some injuries in this one. And it ended with a big Vaughn Miller sack turnover on Andrew Luck. Denver 2-0 to begin the Trevor Simeon era with the Broncos and Indianapolis. Uh, They are now on 2 Right? They give Locke that big contract, and they begin the season 0-2. And then finally, we got the Patriots at home beating the Dolphins 31-24. to And that's what I'll get into right now because the Patriots are 2-0. Let's look at the AFCs. Patriots are 2-0. The Jets are 1-1. The Dolphins are now 0-2. And the Bills are 0-2. The Patriots have a quick turnaround. Thursday night at home against the Houston Texans. And essentially today on this Monday is basically a Thursday for the Patriots, right? It's basically a Thursday. Yesterday was basically a Wednesday for them. So a quick turnaround. These Thursday night games, for this reason, I'm, I don't really like them. And, uh, the, but the Patriots have even bigger issues. Look, they win this game yesterday. The, Miami sort of had, they had a second-half surge. I think that was the Patriots just sort of – I think that was a little human nature – in there. I think that was a little let down. You got it, you know, you're basically blowing out the Dolphins at home. Then your quarterback gets injured, and all of a sudden Miami gets some life, and you kind of let down a little bit. You put your guard down defensively, and 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 Miami's able to do some things and make some big plays. They come back, it wasn't good enough, and the Patriots hold on to win it 31-24. A win is a win is a win. That's what we say here in New England. It's a true thing. Problem is. You know, not only do you have Tom Brady still suspended for the next two games, but you're now going to be without Jimmy Garoppolo because the story of this game yesterday was Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, takes a hit in the second quarter, and he goes down hard on his right throwing shoulder, and he was clearly hurt. He was, that did not look good. His reaction did not look good. And now there are multiple reports on just how much time Garoppolo is going to miss. Um, you know what I hate? And look, these reporters, they, they all got sources. They're all doing their jobs. I, I do, I will say this about if it is an AC joint injury, which is a shoulder separation, and not to sit here and sound like Joe Pro doctor, you know, I'm no doctor. I'm not. 
I can only speak, though, to what's happened to me. And I have actually suffered an AC joint separation in my shoulder. Luckily for me, it was in my left shoulder. Not that I'm out there throwing, but I suffered it in a hockey game um, back in 2007. And uh, I, I tell you what, it was one of the worst pains I had in my life. Level 2 separation. I did not have surgery. It did not require surgery. Surgery was, was a possibility, but really rest and rehab was something that you could do. Now, obviously, the Patriots and any pro athlete, and especially Jimmy Garoppolo, what he has in his reach is some of the best methods to recover, right? They got some things in there that, that even if it means stretching the rules a little bit, they're going to have that shoulder feeling much better than I had my shoulder feeling in the day after that injury. I will say this. Just based on my own personal experience, if Garoppolo is out there throwing around on Thursday after an AC joint separation, just based on how bad the pain was that I felt, then he's either an absolute animal, savage, not a human, or he's got some type of HGH running around there in, in Gillette Stadium, right? I mean, that's just... So that's the way I'm going to look at that. I don't think Garoppolo is going to play on Thursday night. And reports say that he's probably not going to. It's a long shot. He's not. But as to how long Garoppolo is going to be out, it's just, you know, I know the reporters, they're all got their sources, and, and they all have legit, a lot of them that I see reporting this stuff, they have legit sources and legit people who, who are in the know. It's just tough to know. This type of injury is just tough to know. And I do think you'll have people maybe making assumptions based on how long it could be. Well, it could be two weeks. Sure. That could be four to six. Yeah, you're right. It could be. We'll have to wait and see. You know, this is sort of a time. We have to. Time is going to heal all with this AC joint separation with Garoppolo. And we got to see how much time it's going to take. I just think there's a big unknown there. What I, ha- I don't hate the conflicting reports. What I hate is on social media. The people that call them out, they're like, oh, here's what's wrong with the, t- with the world. Reporters on Twitter trying to rush to be the first person to report instead of just taking their time and getting it right. I hate the people that tweet that more than the reporters that that have conflicting reports. Because first of all, if you're sitting there on your couch on Sunday and you give a rat's ass about, look, we know Garoppolo's going to be out, okay? Why don't you let it sit a day as a fan to see what the reaction's going to be? You're hearing stories, okay. You really feel the need to reach out to a reporter and tell him what's wrong with the world? Here's what's wrong with the world. People like you on your couch tweeting reporters giving a fuck about conflicting reports. Put the computer down, put the phone away, and go take a walk outside. You're everything that's wrong with the world, not the conflicting reports. These people have actual sources. This is a tough injury to gauge, even for the people who are in the room with Garoppolo while he's getting checked out. So, um... I'm not going to knock the, re- the conflicting reports on this specific injury today because I know what it's like, and I, I just I understand it's a there is an unknown as to when he's going to come back, and everybody has their opinion and their medical advice. Who's in that room with Garoppolo? And it's just it's you're going to get some different advice on it. It's just that that's the type of injury it is, and and what's so devastating about it is that Garoppolo had been lighting the world on fire to. To the extent that I never could have possibly imagined in my entire life. Jimmy Garoppolo making big throw after big throw. It looked good coming out of the hand. It just, it felt right. It You're just sitting there watching this game going, wow. Like, I know this is Miami. But still, Garoppolo is creating time for himself. He's making big throws off balance. He's making throws on the run. 
Garoppolo, to me, looked like Russell Wilson before the— obviously, Russell Wilson, not this season, but the second half of last year, the last couple seasons, Russell Wilson getting out of the pocket. He, honestly, Garoppolo, to me, he reminded me of Russell Wilson. People don't give Russell Wilson credit for his arm. I think Wilson can can fire the ball, and I think he's a great thrower. I do. I think he's accurate. I think he can throw the deep ball on target. I think he can throw on the run. I think I think Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, not not with his feet, but with his arm. And I think Garoppolo reminded me of that. You know, sort of the Aaron Rodgers breed, mobile, can throw. I mean, Garoppolo did all the right things. He looked the pot. He was confident. I mean, he was making all the big throws. It just, it was something pretty special that we were seeing, okay? Combined with some of the big throws he made on the road in Arizona. Now, I loved what I saw from him in the first half before he got hurt. And here's the, here's the problem, though. And, and this is not me. Like, yesterday was such a weird day. It was just like emotional roller coaster. Because you see him playing so well. But yet then you go on social media. And like again, maybe this is what's wrong with the world is that everybody has this opinion, and every even every reporter and every media member even has a chance to to let their voice be heard on the Garoppolo situation and the Patriots situation. There were people who, after watching what Garoppolo was doing in the first half before he got hurt yesterday, there were people who were thinking, not just thinking, but saying that the Patriots should trade Tom Brady. Should trade Tom Brady. Um, I saw tweets and retweeted things from actual journalists full, who have full-time jobs, and their one job is to cover the National Football League, who's had ideas on Twitter, dead serious ideas, about how the Patriots should trade Brady to who? The Broncos for a first-round pick? Like, on what fucking planet am I living on where if you're a professional in this industry, all right, maybe you think that and you're thinking crazy ideas, you're going to put that on, on, a, on a screen for people to read? How about you take a little Word document, you type it out first, and you sit there and you read it a couple times, and you start to think and process and go, you know what, I actually cover the NFL for a living. I want people to take me seriously. Perhaps I shouldn't tweet this out because actually this is stupid. This is one of the dumbest things I ever thought of. I'm trying to be creative. I'm maybe trying to be funny, but I'm serious about this. And it actually is just stupid. How about you do that? Like this idea that the Patriots are going to see success out of Garoppolo and trade Tom Brady is insane. That do people would even think that would happen? And so I didn't, I, I said, I tweeted it yesterday. I said, I don't, guys, I don't want to do this trade Brady thing. I don't, because anybody who's starting that is basically just looking for attention or they're dumb, right? That's all it is. That's all it can be. And I don't want, I really, I don't have the energy to do that. I don't, because that's not going to happen, and nor should it happen, all right? Um, then Garoppolo gets hurt, and not that I ever root for injury. I don't root for injury, and I certainly never applaud for injury when someone gets injured, but I will say this. There was a kind of a sigh of relief <laughs> thinking to myself, all right, Garoppolo, if he's going to miss a couple weeks, at least if there's any benefit to this, at least we don't have to do the trade Brady thing the next couple weeks, right? At least we don't have to do that because I did not want to do that. I did not want to do the trade Brady thing. I just didn't. 
And uh, if there was any benefit to that, that's what it was. But again, you don't want anyone to get hurt. And certainly not Garoppolo. And certainly not the way he was playing. It happened. It didn't look good. You got to expect now he's going to be out a couple weeks. At least the next two games. Or at least one Thursday night against Houston. And uh, so then Jacoby Brissett comes in. And, you know, the game plan. You bring Brissett in. And you begin to change the game plan a little bit. You're more conservative. Dump off, handoff, screen. You know, roll, get the tight end. Get Bennett, a couple of big plays to Bennett. Martellus Bennett you know, coming off a block. I mean, you, you just, you're dumbing it down a little bit. And not that Jacoby Brissett is a, a less intelligent quarterback than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, let's face it. You're coming off the bench cold. You're a rookie. Are you really going to throw him and put him in position, especially at the end of a half, to to fail? No, you don't want to do that. Get his feet wet. Get him into the game a little bit. Dumb it down a little at first. And then maybe pick it up. And uh, that's exactly what happened. He picked it up. They drove downfield. Five plays, 68 yards. And LeGarrette Blunt pounded it in on a nine-yard run. And the Patriots got a touchdown. And they end up taking, at that point, a 31-3 to lead. to begin the second half. So, it's not like Brissett didn't do anything out there. And if you watch Brissett in the preseason, I think that what you should see is that he is composed. He can be cool and calm under pressure. And he does have it all under control. He seems like a leader. He seems like he has the offense under control. We just never really saw it with the ones, and now we're getting a chance to see it. He did have a couple successful drives. The most successful, that one in which they scored a touchdown to begin the second half and take a 31-3 lead. Uh, he made a couple passes uh, in, in that to, to Bennett, to White, uh, to Bennett again, and, you know, even to Edelman. I mean, it, look, Brissett's first couple passes to Edelman, he dropped it, and they probably would have been for first downs. So... I don't think Brissett looked terrible. Now, the defense had some letdown after that, the Patriots' D. I kind of feel like that was, all right, we're up big, we're at home, there's some obvious letdown. Look, it's early in the season. I think that gives Bill Belichick some bulletin board material, some things to look at in the film room, point out some mistakes. Okay, fine. And, uh, you, you, you know, you, you take advantage of that as a coach. But, you know, the human nature letdown, I think, is a real thing, especially early in the season. And then your quarterback goes down. I think it takes the air... Out, out of, you know, out of the building a little bit too. So, I mean, there were some issues there. Patriots still win, and as I mentioned, a win is a win is a win. But now we look at the quarterback position for the Patriots, and it's not just a New England storyline. It's a national storyline. Unfortunately, it's, it's a national storyline because you've got actual national media members who are coming up with even just some of the most ridiculous ideas that I've ever heard in my entire life. Just when I sat there and thought, well, all right, Garoppolo's injured. I guess we don't have to talk about, I don't have to listen to people say trade Brady the next couple weeks. Uh, we're in the clear on stupid, ridiculous, dumb ideas. Well, no, we weren't. Because you got people, okay, that decided to tweet out national media members on TV and then on social media, tweeting out how they think, get this. The Patriots should reach out to Peyton Manning to try and bring in Peyton Manning for two games to be the quarterback of the Patriots. Like, first of all, first of all, for all the talk about how Brady was looking over his shoulder and was, 
you know, wasn't feeling great about Garoppolo being in the mix and being the starting quarterback. And uh, he felt like, oh, his job, he's going to lose his job. And he didn't like Jimmy G, wasn't helping him out. Look, that was never a real thing. That was people sort of creating something out of nothing. But could you imagine what Tom Brady would think? Like, they're not going to bring it. I can't even believe we have to discuss this. The Patriots are not bringing in Peyton Manning. Can we end that conversation, please? That is the dumbest conversation uh, topic I've ever heard in my life. It's ridiculous to me that as humans with brains, we have to even dis- even bring it up and mention it. Like, what are we doing here, people? The Patriots, t- look, the Patriots are 2-0. Jacoby Brissett is, could probably st- be a starting quarterback for more than half of the teams in this fucking league, okay? You got LeGarrette Blunt. Um, you have a rock-solid defense still, even though they had some letdown yesterday against Miami. The next two games are at home. Tom, and the biggest thing, the biggest situation of them all, Tom Brady's returning in week five. Let's say worst-case scenario. Patriots lose to Houston Thursday night. They lose to Buffalo on the, the next week. Okay, let's say that happens. They're two and two. What I mean, have you looked at the schedules for other teams in this league? I mean, come on. For other teams in the AFC East? If you're two and two, I told you the Patriots would be two and two without Brady after the first four. Not knowing that Garoppolo would look that good in Arizona and at least the first half against Miami, which won him the game. But I mean, come on. Like, if they finish two and two and Brady's back in week five in Cleveland. Do you you real you think the sky is falling and the Patriots world is collapsing in on you? Like what the fuck are you thinking? Enough. And no, Tim Tebow is not coming to the Patriots either. What are we like what are we doing? I don't get it. Like these are people with full-time jobs who cover the NFL. They have one job to do. I do every sport. I'm not full-time anyway. Okay? Um some exciting things happening with this podcast. I hopefully have some things for you in the next couple weeks. But still, there are people with full-time jobs in this business that have one job, cover the NFL, who somehow would think to themselves, the Patriots would bring in Peyton Manning. Okay? That's not going to happen. Like, they're just not going to do that. If, if they ever did, I would be just stunned beyond belief. The Patriots are not going to do that. So let's stop. And Tim Tebow, they're not going to do that either. Are there veteran quarterbacks out there that they might bring in to be a backup to Brissett? Maybe. The other thing that, that confuses me is this. This idea that, oh, Brissett, now he's got to get caught up because the game's Thursday night. Wait a minute. What do you think Brissett's been doing all preseason in the last two weeks? You think he's been sitting there not paying attention? He looked like someone yesterday who was paying attention. Just because it didn't look as good as Garoppolo doesn't mean that it wasn't good. Let's t- take it easy. Brissett is a short week, just like everybody else in that locker room. I got news for you. Brissett has been in all the film rooms. He's been all in all the quarterback conversations. He's part of this team. And the Patriots have him ready to go. And even if they don't, let's say worst case scenario, they lose the next two. I mean, you're telling me without Brady, without Gronk, they, they go two and two. And go week five in Cleveland. I'm going to tell you before the season, that's a nice place to be. It is. 
Joe, I mean, you, you don't bring in Peyton Manning. You ain't bringing in Tim fucking Tebow. Let him go play baseball. He's going to be terrible. Let him go do that. Let the Mets sell all the Tim Tebow t-shirt jerseys or whatever they're doing. What is he, number 15 they're doing? Man. Um, let's not overreact and overthink this. Let's get back to reality. Come back down to earth. Patriots are 2-0. Look, Garrett Blunt, who I tweeted yesterday, has sneakily become my favorite Boston athlete. Who in their right mind wants to tackle this guy in the third and the fourth quarter? Nobody. Give him the ball. Pound it. Martellus Bennett is looking like a beast. You don't even have Gronk back. He's going to help whoever's on the center there for the Patriots if he comes back soon. If he doesn't, you know what? If it's still banged up a little bit, look, I need him more in week eight than I do week three. I do. I need him more when Brady's back than I do in week three without Brady. I do. So do whatever you can now to make sure Gronk is going to be healthy, and that hamstring will not be an issue the rest of the way. Okay? I'm fine with it. But this right now, this Patriots team, they're going to be okay. The national media jumping all over saying Peyton Manning's name, Tim Tebow's name, and even before that saying the Patriots should trade Tom Brady, these people are fucking morons. I'm convinced. Like, just stupidity. More than it is, hey, look at me. I'm coming up with a hot take. I just think it's stupidity. I'm, I mean, I really do believe that. And um, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. So let's move on. Patriots play Houston Thursday night. And, uh, you know, it, this is a game in which, as of right now, the Patriots are a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. Two-and-a-half-point dog in their own building. So I think the Patriots still going to have a shot to win this one. I'm sorry. I think they will. Uh, even with J.J. Watt playing, even with Osweiler, you know, being somebody with a big contract who's got a big arm, Texans are 2-0. and They got some weapons on that receiving core. I mean. Uh, Texans are good. Texans are a good team. And the way Indy's begun, and the way Jacksonville is 0-2, and they were supposed to be better, but then they got whooped in San Diego, I don't believe in Tennessee. I mean, Houston has an opportunity here to maybe run away with the division early, especially coming to Gillette without Tom Brady and perhaps without Gronk. And our Patriots obviously missing Hightower yesterday on Sunday, so who knows what that injury is going to be like. Um, Houston's got an opportunity here. I, I, I'm still, I'm not thinking that even with Brissett, I tell you right now, I like Brissett. I do. I like Brissett. And let's say they get Grunt back. Let's say LeGarrette Plunt is just impossible to tackle in the second half. And let's say this defense doesn't have any type of letdown like they did against Miami late in that game. If this is a close game throughout against Houston at Gillette, I think the Patriots are going to have a chance to win. Which gets me thinking... Do I jump all over the points right now and take the points of the Patriots at home? Or do I just pick them to win the game straight up? I, I am going to, I'm going to tell you right now that the Patriots are going to be in a game and I'm going to take the points. Perhaps this is a, maybe a close, who knows, one three point loss, but they're going to be in this one. And uh, it's early and I'm not doing this podcast again until Friday. And on Friday, I'll react to this one. But. Man, I, I just, I have a, the way the Patriots have been able to win in their first two games, even with Garoppolo going down, don't they just always find a way? They'll f- put it this way. They'll find a way to keep this one close, I think, at home Thursday night. 
I do. I think they'll find a way to keep it close. If they do it with defense, if they do it with Blunt, if they do it with a couple big screen plays to get them some gains, if they do it with Guskowski, if they do it with special teams, Patriots are going to find a way. But they are not bringing in Peyton Manning, and they are not bringing in Tim Tebow, and they're going to go with Brissett. And I don't think you should be as nervous about Brissett on the Senate as it sounds like you are, if you are nervous. That's all. So uh, that is the way week two looked. I'll give my picks on Friday, five picks with the spread. I'm telling you what, the comeback began a little bit yesterday. I got a couple wins under my belt. We're not there yet, but we'll be back completely. Baby steps here, folks. Baby steps. So that is uh, the chaos that ensued yesterday. Garoppolo going down. People wanted to trade Brady before then. Then they want to bring in Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow. Please, enough. Calm the fuck down. Okay? Calm down. Deep breaths. And with that deep breath, we move on to Major League Baseball. I told you about the Red Sox sweep and the Yankees. Uh, The four-game series in Baltimore beginning tonight. And I just got to go over the standings with you, as I usually do in Major League Baseball. Um, and the way the standings, well, the Red Sox, you know, they're in first place. Three games ahead of the Orioles. Four games ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays. The Yankees are down and out. Down and out. Uh, so that's where the Red Sox stand. Cleveland is in first place in the Central. 86 wins. They're seven games ahead of Detroit. Cleveland's going to roll with that division. Texas, uh, they are in first place, eight and a half games ahead of Seattle in the West. Then you go to the NL. Nationals, eight games ahead of the Mets. The Cubs already clinched the division. And the Dodgers in the NL West, five games ahead of the Giants. You got to look at the wild card today, heading into this week's games. Uh, If the playoffs began today, Baltimore would be hosting Toronto in the one-game wild card playoff in the American League. Detroit, two games behind Toronto for that second wild card spot. Seattle, two games behind Toronto. Houston, three games out, and the Yankees, four. I guess you got to mention the Royals, five games out. But uh, I think this is kind of... I I do think maybe for that second wild card spot, this is a five-team race. Houston, Seattle, Detroit, Toronto, Baltimore. Can't rule any of them out. There's still a couple weeks left in the season. And then the National League, if the playoffs begin today, the Mets would be hosting the San Francisco Giants in the one-game wildcard playoff, though the Mets have pitching issues with injuries all over the place. They First they lost Javi, now they're losing DeGrom. Um, St. Louis, the Cardinals, one game behind the Giants for that second wildcard spot. And then you got the Marlins and the Pirates five games out. I think this is just basically a three-team race. Mets, Giants, Cardinals for the wildcard in the NL. And uh, that should make for an interesting final couple of weeks in the regular season. If you're looking, I guess, back here locally, Red Sox in Baltimore. Toronto is in Seattle. Um, Then you look at the wild card race. You got in the AL, if you're looking for games, Houston's in Oakland. Right? So um, that's just a couple things in Major League Baseball. But the Red Sox, just to sort of bring it back to them and their sweep of the Yankees. Just look at some of the numbers. And when we get into, I'm not a big awards guy every year, but it it is pretty amazing to see just how many players in this Red Sox lineup are in the discussion of AL MVP. I mean, Pedroia's got to be there hitting 324. Uh, David Ortiz obviously is there hitting 317. 34 home runs, 116 RBIs. 
Mookie Betts is there, made a couple phenomenal catches last night in right field. Mookie's hitting 314, 30 home runs, 106 RBIs. Um, you know what? I mean, Bogarts normally would be, but Mookie and Ortiz's numbers are crazy, and so are Pedroia's. But Bogarts, 298, 88 RBIs, 20 home runs. And you know, and guess what? Hanley Ramirez, like it or not, I think gets a look. 28 home runs, 106 RBIs, hitting 294. The only thing I look at, you know, Hanley and Bogarts have each struck out over 110 times this season. And then Big Poppy's only struck out 75. Mookie struck out 80 times. Petroya's only struck out 69 times. Uh, the thing about Pedroia is, you know, 13 home runs, 66 ribbies. You break it down. A lot of these guys in the conversation, I'm going to narrow it down to Ortiz and Betts. And this is for the entire American League, folks. Guess what? I know Mookie plays the field, but to me, there isn't anybody as valuable in all of Major League Baseball this season. There's no one more valuable than David Ortiz. Most valuable player. Big Poppy is that guy. He is. You can't, you can't give me anything to convince me that there's somebody more valuable than Big Poppy. Is Mookie close? Of course. But David Ortiz, sorry, he's the most valuable player. 34 home runs, 116 RBIs, only struck out 75 times, walked 74, uh, hitting 317. His clutchness at times this season hasn't always been there, but guess what? He still has had some big clutch hits. He even did in this series. Home runs, hits. I mean, Big Poppy is going out on top, and I think he's the American League MVP. He is. But you got the amazing thing is you got a couple guys in this Red Sox team in that conversation. And here are the Red Sox now in first place in the AL East. So big series against Baltimore. I'll react to it uh, later in the week on Friday during the NFL season. I'm only here on Mondays and Fridays here from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Reminding you again, Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Get a free quote today, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Email them, beantownathletics at gmail.com. Visit their website, beantownathletics.com. And don't forget the best skate shopping in New England right here inside of Beantown Athletics. So I'll be back Friday with more picks, five games with the spread. In the meantime, get this show whenever you want. DannyPicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at DannyPicard, on Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. Enjoy your week, everybody. I will talk to you on Friday.